All right, you want to do this? Yep, yeah. we got this. We got this. Let's we got a shot. This. I already did one beer or two. Best so episode ever. Yeah. Here we go. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 158 of Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics one month at a time. In this episode, that month is April 1971. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. And mine is Jamie Wenger. Yep, it's just us in the studio today, boys. Whoa. Uh, yeah. What, what, what do you want to talk about? I didn't write any notes for this part. <laughs> Low pressure. Okay. <laughs> I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, finally. We mm-hmm. talked about that before yeah. we started. Yep. It was awesome. It's it, a delight. Yeah. It, it, I, if you don't like it, you just suck. And then <laughs> I saw <laughs> Dr. Like, you have to be trying not to like it. Yeah. You, like, yeah. you've got to want. It's like, you know, people, there's lots of things. Like, it's yes, it's popular, so I know right. you want to hate it, but right, right. it's good. Uh, it's like the Mandalorian. Like people hate the Mandalorian because, it, and I'm like, because you haven't watched it long enough and you don't right, understand. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Or, or you had an expectation and this isn't the expectation. Like, yeah, which is, that's a whole separate thing. But I'm jazzed or, when I or, see. Or you just don't really care for Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> sure. Sure. There's that, I guess. There's, there's that, but you're still missing out on a whole portion of your life, a whole mythology yep. that could See, I do like Lone Wolf and Cubs, so I get the feeling I would probably like you this. Really like that. Yeah. It yeah. is sci-fi Lone Wolf and Cub. There you go. Almost, you know, shot for shot in some cases. Terrific. Yeah. yeah. Or panel for panel. You right. Know? Yeah. All right. So you saw Spider-Man. And I'm going to, um, I have a plan to see Doctor Strange uh, in a theater during its first run. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's the COVID level I've reached now. <laughs> that's yep. awesome. Um, and... The, so I'm very excited about that. And then I saw the trailer for Thor too. And Terrific. everything about that looked like, uh, I'm going to not, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, uh, so you, you saw the teaser and then the trailer as of this week. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. like intrigued. I, obviously I'm going to love every why second is, of it. Why is Batman super white? In that? <laughs> yeah, that was a good question. I've also so first read of all, those comics that the villain is based on. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, I some of the newer comics that I finally got around to reading happened to pay off. Yeah, right. So Barb asked me a question, which she always regrets <laughs> about the new <laughs> Thor movie, and I told her an extended answer. Of course, yeah. you took out your glasses from your breast pocket and <laughs> pushed down the, the uh, <laughs> screen. Started with yep. well, actually, <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> glad you asked. Uh, Ali is a, 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 a violent disliker of Natalie Portman. Ooh, oh, okay. that's gonna make uh, this rough. Yeah. yeah, so she's she's coming in a little bit skeptical, but she's a she'll Ragnarok all day long. Okay, yeah. so I mean, yeah, I think she Ragnarok. I mean, that is the spot. non yeah. yeah, that is the non Natalie Portman. Yeah, four, right. So, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure how this is gonna play out. But here's my suggestion. Uh, I I have a friend who uh, his his brother was dating a woman for a extended period of time. They wound up breaking up very unhappily. Hmm. Um. And but they had all these like photos of like family vacations uh, where she had accompanied them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the solution to that was <laughs> they just went back and like put Spider-Man faces over her face. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So it's like if you could engineer something like that, like <laughs> yeah. maybe like reserve a, a, a theater and like have them just put in the Spider-Man filter <laughs> on the Natalie Portman faces. Yeah, right, that right, right. Do the yeah Tom Holland, right? We'll just put yeah. Tom Holland over. Yeah. Yep. Who doesn't like Tom Holland? I mean, literally no one. Yeah. yeah. It's impossible. <laughs> Again, if you don't like Tom Holland, you're, you're trying, you're, you're doing it on purpose. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. 
I'm going to LA next week um, for <laughs> Max Fun Con. Whoa, and cool. Yeah, I'm going to be there for a few extra days, uh, and I'm going to be hanging out with uh, a buddy of mine. Uh, and we have plans to get lit and watch Morbius in the theater. So, oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, I'll be happy to report back on, uh, oh. uh, on our favorite living You might want to make – so I did this with Blade 3. Uh-huh. You might want to make a drinking game before you go in. <laughs> or uh, – so I I was in a drinking theater when I saw Blade 3. And okay. Our, our drink prompt was – Damn it, Blade. And, uh, <laughs> strong. Yeah, anyway, got to the hospital where you were having <laughs> yeah, right, your stomach. Right. I don't remember a lot of the movie. And I watched <laughs> it again <laughs> later. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, these these are these are film properties based on comic books, but. Mm-hmm. The premise of this podcast is to talk about actual comic books. Yeah, oh, right. I guess the we paper should. ones, right? Yeah. With the yep. the staples and stuff. Yeah, the yeah. paper ones yeah. that shine through this tablet in my hand. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, you know, it's 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 basically the um, what do you call them? So the the comic books that they make movies from. Yeah. Oh, uh, like uh, like the prequel to the movie is the like a different form. Storyboards. Right. Oh, yeah. Right, it's right, like right. so we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the storyboards <laughs> yeah. um, that our favorite movies were based on. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, parts of. Yeah. I don't think any movies were strictly based on uh, these Marvel comics of April 1971. I mean, not yet. Not yet. I mean, obviously. I think there may be a couple of events in a couple of the comics that were uh, looked at when they made some of the movies we've seen already. Yeah, there you go. I mean, on a long enough timeline, (laughs) all of these things will have to be consumed by the media machines. You send the intern. You're writing a movie about a character you send 70 interns in to read 4 billion comic books and tell you what was good yeah and then you take that and scrape it together and change it all completely Honestly, and there you why go isn't yeah, someone, why isn't someone paying us to do this this is a serious question. Why well, isn't someone paying? Well, us? I mean, our patrons, but uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Why isn't someone who makes movies paying us to do this? <laughs> Maybe a patron makes movies and they're paying I us think, four dollars yeah. a month. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, damn it! Damn it, Blade! <laughs> damn it, Blade! <laughs> okay, well, We're I don't giving wanna, it away. <sighs> I feel like uh, Assad Ribik um, with his concept art. Oh um, man, that's brutal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also super brutal if I just mispronounced his name. I mean, Sorry about that. Yeah, it, it's my best guess. You got a better guess? No, okay. <laughs> definitely I do not. You look like you might. <laughs> no, I was feeling his pain. Yeah, I wouldn't have even attempted. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's let's reframe our brains. Uh, so we're talking about the comics of April 1971. Um, before we do that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what else was going on in the world of April 1971. Um, Rob, can you kick us off, please? Sure. We'll start off with a little bit of comics news. Skywald Publications, co-founded by Marvel's former production manager, Saul Brodsky, published the first issues of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, two separate titles. Ooh, so close. So (laughs) close. It feels good knowing they'll put it together eventually. Yeah. Yeah. They'll get there. Uh, DC Comics, you may have heard of them, published... House of Secrets number 92 featuring the first appearance of their man thing knockoff Swamp Thing. Mm. Oh, I've I've heard of I think I've heard of him. I think I may have talked at length recently about that. Uh the the model for the illustration of the woman on the cover was future comics writer Louise Jones who'd later be known as Louise Simonson. What? Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. That's very cool. The more that. you know. <laughs> 
Uh, this was also the month where Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams debuted Rajal Ghul in Batman number 232. Whoa, I had no idea that character was had been around that long. Yeah, and um, if I can give a plug for another uh, comics podcast, the uh, Screw It, We're Just Going to Talk About Comics Guys um, did an episode with Jeff Smith of Bone fame. Um, where he talks about that issue. It's his favorite issue of comics, and they go through it almost panel by panel. Um, And listening to someone like Jeff Smith talk about how much he loves Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams telling this story is like, it's like kind of a masterclass in how to read a comic book. Oh, cool. I would check that out. Very, very worthwhile. Even I might check that out. No, let's not get crazy. I'll tell you about it afterwards. I'll listen to it real fast. Okay, then I'll I'll tell you afterwards. Uh, on the third, the cult classic U.S. TV soap opera Dark Shadows broadcast its one thousandth, two hundred and twenty-sixth, and final episode. Yeah, that's. I thought that was a typo, and I, I was like, oh, oh Brian must have been working really fast when he set this up. That's a actual number. An extra two yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, one thousand two hundred and twenty-six. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a huge. Uh, volume of television. I mean, and you think about these comics and like something like the Fantastic Four that's been around from the beginning when they do those like the the actual number of issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like ballpark, right? You're just making me think about our future again <laughs> with the number of comics we have to read. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 just, just don't don't look down. Look only up. Right, right, yeah. right. I just gotta put dog brain in. Only present, <laughs> ever present, exactly. Yeah. Uh, on the sixth of April, 1971, ping pong diplomacy began. When the People's Republic of China sent an invitation to the U.S. national table tennis team to visit as the first Americans to be invited to mainland China since the communist government had taken over in 1949. Hmm. The American team was in Japan for the world championships at the same time that the People's Republic was participating in the competition for the first time since 1965. Earlier, Glenn Cowan of the U.S. team was befriended by three-time men's world champion Zhuang Zedong of China and the press coverage led to the invitation. Oh, and I, I do believe that Forrest Gump participated just, in yes, this as well. Yes, he was there. Right. Yeah. That's a true fact of yeah. history. Yeah, I mean, that's televised. <laughs> so, uh, so, on the 6th of April, on the same day, Russian composer, conductor, and pianist Igor Stravinsky died at the age of 88 in New York City. Hmm. He is one of my faves no in way, classical really? composers. Yeah. Whoa. He's a... He, uh, when he came out with some of his work even right of spring it's like pretty avant-garde compared to what was happening before so at the time yeah check out some stravinsky while you're reading your comics kids heck yeah hot tip good for your brain (laughs) on the 7th u.s president richard m nixon announced in a nationally televised speech that he had scheduled the withdrawal of 100,000 additional u.s troops from south vietnam by december 1st with 14,300 to return home each month at the time, there were 284,000 U.S. troops still participating in the Vietnam War. Yep. Wow, so many people. Yeah. Uh, on the 18th of April, an agreement to create the Federation of Arab Republics was signed in Tripoli by Presidents Muammar Gaddafi of Libya, Anwar Sadat of Egypt, and Hafez al-Assad of Syria. All three nations would ratify the agreement in referenda conducted on September 1st but the parties were never able to agree on terms of a merger. Whoa. Hmm. That's a crazy what if to think about Mm -hmm. if that had worked out. Uh, On April 18th, 1971, on the same day, the U.S. restaurant chain Burger King sold its first franchise in Australia to entrepreneur Jack Cowan. Hmm. 
because the name Burger King was already trademarked to a set of food stores based in Adelaide, the BK chains, fast food restaurants in Australia are branded Hungry Jack's. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Cowan's Hungry Jack's restaurant opened on June 19th in Perth. <laughs> we, we do have a, a fair amount of listeners in Australia. We do? do really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So, hey. So, I, my, yeah, <laughs> my son is named Jack. If one of our Australian listeners would like to send some Hungry Jack's merch. <laughs> or, awesome. I mean, don't send food no. or anything that food has been in. They have like a Happy Meal equivalent, I sure. assume. Right? Some kind or of a Happy Jack's crown. Yeah. 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 Um, That's all we ask. He, uh, hungry Jack's. Not Happy Jack's. He's not happy. He's hungry. <laughs> right. He would be happy. If He's he happy when have. he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the 18th, uh, which is the same day, David Tennant, the Scottish television actor best known for playing Kilgrave in Marvel's Jessica Jones series, was born as David John McDonald in Bathgate, West Lothian. Lothian? Lothian? I mean, that sounds like some Middle Earth thing. Lothian sounds yeah. great. Apologies to our Scottish listeners. Yeah, yeah, as, sure as, as always. Yes. I'm sure it's a real place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the 20th of April, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States... Perhaps you've heard of them. Mm. Uh, ruled unanimously in Swan versus Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education that busing of students could be ordered to achieve racial desegregation. And this leads to like a real bad decade for all of Boston, basically. By, by ordered, Ooh. what does that mean? Oh, like demanded. Sorry. Give us the power to tell people to put everybody on the bus so oh, they can go to school. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's like basically saying that we can, we have the authority to say your kid now goes to to school at a school 45 minutes away so that we can equalize and you know diversify the, the student populations oh, in each school. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure this is a big deal everywhere. I grew up in New England. I know that Boston lost its mind mm. over this and it was like real bad times for quite a long time. So, wow. Yep. Um, on the 21st of April in its first decision on a law against abortion, United States versus which the U S Supreme court upheld by a margin of five to two, the constitutionality of a district of Columbia statute that allowed all abortions, except for those performed by a physician when necessary for the preservation of the mother's life or health. Yeah. So it, it outlawed all abortions. Did I say that totally wrong? You said allowed. Oh. <laughs> Which, I did. It's a Which, slight. Just, <laughs> should I reread it or just leave that in as total idiot stuff? Um, <laughs> it's like maybe the worst word. I'll start. <laughs> the one word to screw up. Yeah. Oh. I was even pulling this thing closer to my eyes. Yeah. Oh. I'll read from the comma. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld by a margin of five to two the constitutionality of a District of Columbia statute that outlawed all abortions except for those performed by a physician when necessary for the preservation of the mother's life or health. Justice Hugo L. Black, writing for the majority, set the precedent that in prosecution of an abortion, a government had the burden of proving that the health of the mother was not in danger and that in considering the mother's health a physician a physician could consider psychological as well as physical well-being of the mother even if she had no previous history of mental defects hmm. yeah um oh, such a history yeah. which history yeah uh i've been taking a call on them scrotus which i feel like could catch on yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's so <laughs> gross it's, 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 it's a t-shirt <laughs> 
well, that's a glimpse of what was going on in the world of April of 1971. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about what was happening in the Marvel comics of April of 1971 right here on Marvel by the Month. <laughs> All right. As regular listeners know, we have somehow obligated ourselves to promote one advertiser from the comic books that we're covering of each week. Uh, Rob, why don't you tell us about the obvious scam that some 1971 advertiser was running on the kids who read these issues? Oh, there is no scam this week. Just a live mystery egg. <laughs> so wait, is, is like the egg alive? No, it's a lovable live pet in a colorful plastic egg. Hmm. What? What kind of pet are we talking about here? Oh, you know, just the usual kind that runs, climbs, and crawls. That's distressingly vague. It will eat right out of your hand. <laughs> Clean, easily trained, makes a wonderful playmate, gentle, long-lived, easy care. Do they at any point say what this thing actually is? I, I mean, there's a drawing uh, of it right there in the ad. It's sort of like a like a sock puppet with a flipper arm and like a like a fish butt. Amuse your friends and family with this delightful new friend. Oh, look at that. Uh, its name is Puff. Cute. Uh, I mean, I'm going to want like at least two of these. You're in luck. They're only $2.98 each, but a matched pair is only $5. Nice. Oh, good. Because the only thing better than a pet that comes from a mystery egg and runs, climbs, crawls, eats right out of your hand and lives for a long time is having a breeding pair of them. <laughs> Anyway, are we done here? We're, we're done. Uh, thanks, Live Mystery Egg, for sponsoring this episode of Marvel by the Month. Uh, we are also supported each and every week by our subscribers at patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth. These are the folks who actually help us make this show week after week. And for just four bucks a month, they get access to our bonus feed of extended and exclusive episodes. Our free public episodes are just the first plate of the giant Midwestern-style buffet that awaits you in our Patreon bonus feed. That's where we take deeper dives into more comics and have longer conversations with some of our favorite guests. For example, two weeks ago, we had Sean Baby on the show, and our faces still hurt from laughing. Uh, the Patreon-exclusive version of that episode was more than an hour longer and included us talking about eight additional stories from that month. I still feel a little bad about how much we beat on Har Harlan Ellison. I'm actually afraid his ghost is going to sue us. Yeah, well, if he does, then we really need our fans to come through and support us at patreon.com slash marvelbythemonth to build up our legal defense fund. <laughs> Uh, speaking of legal defense funds, last week's episode with Dennis Kitchen of the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund is another one where the extended version features a ton of great additional content. So thanks to all of our subscribers for helping us do this thing week in and week out. If you'd like to become one of them, just head to patreon.com slash marvel by the month. Welcome back to Marvel by the Month. Let's talk about Avengers number 89, the only good alien. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the start of the Kree Scroll War. Yeah. Uh, it's written by Roy Thomas, art by Sal Buscema, and Sam Granger. Um, so this issue confusingly begins. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be said a few times, but it confusingly begins with Captain Marvel getting ambushed by vision, Scarlet, Witch, and Quicksilver who repeat a number of times that they're trying to help Marvel. Uh, 
This includes a lot of Marvel talking about being a man of the Cree and his special weapons and calling Wanda Earth Girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, hey, they're, is he just implying that she's easy? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't think that had been coined quite yet. Um, you just you really get a sense that like they're not trusting the audience to know any of this. Right. Well, and Captain Marvel's book has been canceled now for what a year? <laughs> yeah, so they're like, like a full this year. is Captain Marvel. He's not from here. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yep. He has these powers. We will have him tell you about each thing he does. Yes, it is very descriptive. Um then as the Avengers close in on a rooftop, and even more confusingly, <laughs> Rick Jones appears and shoots Marvel with some kind of ray gun. Right in the tummy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as we were alluding to, as we, uh, Rick Jones normally switches places with Captain Marvel. They both can't be here at the same time. He's right. a real Billy Batson. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's weird. Um, so, uh, so once Rick shoots Marvel, uh, it incapacitates uh, him and the group loads him into a Quinjet and heads to a hospital at Cape Kennedy. Um, a Dr. Donaldson is set up in a spiffy lab where one of his Kirby suited assistants refers to the Avengers as costume clowns uh, <laughs> because they're late. And he obviously is a reader of the daily bugle. Um, <laughs> it is kind of funny. Like you could basically read this guy's entire politics. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> From that one line. <laughs> I'm like, I get this now. I've seen, been through enough of it recently. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Donaldson asks them to strap the alien in the decontamination chair at once. Um, some Avenger off camera notes, "Alien, he's got a name, Doc. It's Marvel." Again, just to remind us that Captain Marvel is named Marvel. Yeah. Um, everything right. about this all looks like a techie electric chair, down to the metal bowl they put on Captain Marvel's yeah, head. Yeah, that was a rough connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a flashback. But that's where our cover image comes from, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I mean, which I think is like. It's the payoff. It's like, oh, he's not actually being executed. It's yeah, like, we, yeah, we fooled you into buying it because we also said yeah, a dead yeah. alien on the front of the <laughs> book when we showed him in an electric chair. So, right. you know, yeah. So, um, so that's on you, reader. <laughs> uh, so then we get a flashback from Rick where he has to stop one of his shows due to a sudden feeling or suddenly feeling ill. Thankfully, before Roy writes any lyrics that yeah, I feel we compelled th- to reproduce. <laughs> so close. Yeah, very, very He's close. like, for my next song, oh, I don't feel good. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob had a single-use time machine. It was either go back in time and kill Hitler or stop Roy Thomas from writing lyrics for this. <laughs> and I chose wisely. Um, you're all, thank you. I mean, you're welcome. That's the thing. Uh, so... Rick goes into a back alley right off Bleecker Street, it's mentioned. But unrelated to other people who live on Bleecker Street, um, (laughs) we are treated to Sal Buscema's version of a Gil Kane rat in the foreground that will begin (laughs) to haunt you instantly. Oh, shit. I never even saw that. Oh, yeah. It's real creepy. (laughs) Yeah. The the, the limbs are just so well articulated. Since it's in the foreground and it's bigger than Rick, who's in the back of the alley, it's it's hard to miss. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Oh man, I I instantly went back to the cover to be like, did Gil Kane draw this thing? I didn't <laughs> see his name. Um, so the headache illness that Rick is suffering from is Captain Marvel, who needs to chat in their brain. Um, <laughs> and Marvel recounts the recent escape from the negative zone that Reed Richards pulled off 
in Fantastic Four with the help of Agatha Harkness. That made me so happy. Yes. Yeah. So happy. That little tie together because yep. we're like, oh, this is the same negative zone we're talking about yeah. that Rick or Captain Marvel has to be in. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of stuff about the way that Roy writes Marvel Comics at this point that drives me nuts. But one of the things I really do appreciate is that he seems to be the only guy who's got his fingers on the pulse of what everyone is doing in every book. And he is making the effort to like really maintain that shared universe. Yeah. Yeah. To try to put the threads there, even if it's, it gets convoluted. Right. right. Yeah. Um, So now Marvel wants Rick to go to the Baxter building and find that door that Reed went through. Uh, because uh, this door to the negative zone is maybe the way they get them out of their body sharing predicament. Right. Which they uh, weren't in originally. Like Captain Marvel originally was just a, a guy. I mean, not a guy guy. An alien, an alien guy. guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, right. Fighting robots and such. And then he got accidentally bonded to Rick. With the mega band thing. Yeah. yeah. And they've mm-hmm. been stuck in this bosom buddies kind of swappy thing. That, yeah. That was not the right show to reference. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I do like that. It's the first thing that came to <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. It's I like mean, if you want some leap you know, kind of thing, maybe. Yeah. Might be better. Know, yeah. You're talking about the Bosom Buddies episode where they escape from prison, but they're handcuffed together. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. That's the one. Yeah. That's, that, yeah I, I was you. close. Yeah. <laughs> Mentally, okay, so. I rejected Perfect Strangers in order to say that, so I was even more wrong. <laughs> There's nothing. None of our references are. Yeah, you know, my brain helpful. just wanted to name a TV show. Uh, so, uh, so Rick slams the Nega bands together and does the old switcheroo with Captain. So this brings Captain Marvel from the negative zone. He appears. Rick gets shunted to the negative zone for a while. So I have a question. At this mm. point, have they mentioned, because I didn't think that they did, that it, th- this has been longer, that Captain Marvel's been in the negative zone longer than usual? Uh, Rick, Was I don't that, know if they had at this point, but they do get to it as they're yeah, okay. talking. Right. The, is that Rick has been sort of avoiding, he said this a couple of times, that he's been just doing his own thing and trying to do his music and leave Captain Marvel like and not help him. anybody with some kind of magical Cree powers or anything, <laughs> by, but just help them through his soothing tunes. Sure, sure. I mean, um, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I also do, I like the premise of this entire story because like, you got to assume they were getting letters. It's like, if Reed Richards has a doorway to the negative zone, why can't Captain Marvel just go out through the doorway? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. um, like there's no reason these guys have to be you know trading places yeah trading places that would have been a good one that would have been a good one let's just keep doing references that (laughs) don't help anybody understand but (laughs) what we're talking about it's like a real petticoat junction (laughs) (laughs) it's like a total secret of nim situation (laughs) that's Uh, the rat yeah (laughs) Uh, that was the whole backstory. Just that one rat. Who right. Appeared. was Mrs. Brisby. Stealing electricity. <laughs> but it did weirdly sing that thing from, you know, the Fible song. Sir, somewhere yeah. out there, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we've really, if you're listening to this, you have no idea what, we have less of an idea of what we're talking about than we do. Um, so, uh, so Rick swaps, swaps places, Captain Marvel's in our universe and Captain Marvel heads to the Baxter building. And he enters the building and punches out a security guard before he remembers he can fly. Oh, <laughs> such a bummer. It like, because uh, it's like you had the continuity to know that, like, the that that Reed Richards did that over there, but like not the continuity to know that like you could just go to the front door and ask, or you could fly up, or like yeah. it was so close. Yeah. yeah. So he punches this guy out, then he goes outside and flies up to the thirty fifth floor. Um, 
And then once Marvel breaks into the FF HQ, it sets off an alarm at Avengers HQ. Um, apparently, Sue Storm or Sue Richards had a premonition that something might happen at the Baxter building. And this is not part of Sue's powers, remember? Yeah. But obviously... She's just a lady. Yeah. Who gets <laughs> it's the man brains she of Marvel writers. Oh, yeah. Oh. Intuitions. Oh. Yep. Womanly yep. intuition. Uh, Couldn't have been so. anybody else. Anybody else. Or give her that power. Like, yeah. if you're going to say that she can sense things, then just... Like, I mean, it could have been the Scarlet Witch who has magic-y stuff, or Agatha, who yeah. also has magic-y stuff. You also just don't need to this line is pointless <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's, it's, like, it you could just say that the avengers have, have an alarm a, for the fantastic four's headquarters yeah. because they're super they're people awesome. yeah yeah. Right. yeah it's like their neighbors you know who like exchange keys when one of them is out of town yeah, yeah you right know? right because they all have fancy stuff and yeah. yeah real fancy and dangerous um yeah. so it takes marvell a bit to figure out the machine he says blast it I thought my Cree training would allow me to master any Earthian invention in moments, but Reed Richards' genius is far beyond any I have encountered on this planet. Nice. Still, I think I have it now. Yeah. Like it, by the time he's <laughs> finished that little monologue, he figures it out. It's like, oh, the go buttons. He, oh, it was the green one. Yeah. I didn't, in my culture, green doesn't. <laughs> Never mean. mind. He's not that smart. <laughs> he's, he's a smart for an Earthian, but it took me three sentences until I could Earthian. figure this thing out. And you would think like the smarter he would be, the more intuitive his. Yeah, the would, UI yeah, would be. Know. Yeah, right, right. It's like the iPhone. You know, it's like, you know, if something's really well made, you just know how it works mm -hmm. intuitively. Taptic feedback. <laughs> so so uh, Rick is, has to get himself over to the gateway in the negative zone to prepare for the uh, sliding glass door, the Stargate, whatever it is. <laughs> um, and he has a very narrow window to jump through, especially because the Avengers have just burst into the Baxter building into the room to force Marvell to shut the gateway. Um. Rick makes it through, but guess who makes it through behind him? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a big hint because they announced themselves and this is what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Annihilus, you simply juvenile. Annihilus, he who long sought entrance into this world and was denied it and who now shall conquer it. It's Annihilus. It's uh, Annihilus. In case you yep. didn't get it from... Yep. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and also because they mentioned the negative zone like you can't say negative zone without saying annihilus within yeah. like 50 words yeah that's true that's not just i a, can't like it's not a state thing ever, that's a federal yeah. yeah yeah uh and as annihilus continues his monologue vision tells rick to reopen the gate that closed behind annihilus even though vision was standing right by the buttons <laughs> um <laughs> so rick hits it and annihilus starts to get pulled back in Annihilus tries to grab Vige to take him with him, but Vision does the old mass trickery by being first very dense and then intangible. That's awesome. That wouldn't have worked with any other superhero at this time. Yeah. That's true. Unless they were slippery or something, like mm. the, the eel. Um, <laughs> who wasn't <laughs> right, a hero. Right. He's a villain. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, Annihilus is sucked back into the negative zone. <laughs> is this, this is definitely like the shortest appearance of Annihilus ever at this yeah. point. Right? Oh, it's yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. even like two full pages. <laughs> right. He's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. I should have thought to move further away from the door. <laughs> My one weakness. <laughs> so, so you might be asking yourself, dear listeners, uh, what does this have to do with the start of this book? Uh, how many things are happening in this book? And is it over yet? <laughs> and the uh, answers, you know, somewhat abound here. Right, right. Um, uh, Captain Marvel has taken advantage of the whole Annihilus distraction to steal the Quinjet and get away from the Avengers. 
At the same moment, everyone realizes that a handy extra super Geiger counter had been going crazy around Marvell. Um, and they all recognize intense. anybody will recognize like a super sensitive Geiger counter that's sure. laying around. Yep. Um, and but now it's dying down because Marvell is getting further away. So they all figure out pretty fast that Marvell has been poisoned by radiation in the negative zone. And he has about three hours before that radiation will cause a chain reaction that will destroy the earth. That's a leap. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. mean Vision's got a smart brain in there. Is yeah, a, I guess that's true. Ran, running some artificial intelligence for a minute and bam. <laughs> um, it's a real Ren and Stimpy situation. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that in that those four panels they're going to figure out that entire story, but they did. Yeah, it's pretty condensed. Um, so Marvell now is crazily heading for Kit Kennedy to try and steal a rocket to get back to the Cree home world or the galaxy. Stealing a rocket just like Magneto did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Negabands have dissolved from his wrist because both he and Rick are in the same world. I guess that's why. Um, and he's getting weak from his radiation sickness. Uh, and he also runs the Quinjet out of gas. <laughs> Just straight up <laughs> flying it in the air. There's no warning system on the Quinjet. You just run out of gas and the Quinjet crashes. Yeah, right, yep. right. Fool that I am. The fuel gauge reads empty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not worth figuring out that Reed to... Richards thing pretty quickly. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That Earthian fuel gauge just didn't work for him. Um, I just w- also want to point out that, you know, the visual signifier that we are in Florida now uh, <laughs> is that uh, Sal Buscema draws a very nice looking alligator. Yeah, it's true. Uh, to make up for that rat earlier. Yeah. It's no Gil Kane alligator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, Mar- Marvel Marvel leaps to the ground <laughs> because of Earth's lesser gravity because he could fly with the nega bands but he oh, can't fly normally. Dissolved. So I think somebody just drew him flying out of the ship and they were like, "Oh, we got to make up a whole bunch of nonsense about this." Yes. Okay. Um but and also Earth's lesser gravity hasn't really been a thing mentioned, but uh, No, I didn't think so. That's a new <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. And he also finds a hidden unibeam blaster uh, off panel to round out a few missing continuity <laughs> pieces. Um, so now we are back to the present, everybody. Uh, just took a 15-page trip. Um, oh, so Marvell is in the electric chair like Gizmo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Dr. Donaldson runs into a problem as they are trying to siphon off the radiation from Marvell. This is sort of a re- reflection of the Doc Samson kind of thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They've drained off a little when they realize that the nega radiation is far more powerful than they thought. So Vision elects to use his solar power energy to help them drain off more radiation from Marvell. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go green. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it seems to work, but both Captain Marvel and Vision are incapacitated as they finish this process. Yeah. So they get blankets. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They get blankets. You want to get and orange slices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> He's an android, but you definitely want to put a little blue sheet over him. Yep. And you you probably thought that was the end, but meanwhile, yeah, right. you, this is the second ending is uh not the ending even. <laughs> um back in the Kree galaxy, <laughs> we see the intelligent supreme encounter Ronan the accuser. I love that potato guy. Yep. <laughs> uh so <laughs> weird. Uh we're reminded that the intelligence sentenced the accuser to something death, mm-hmm. probably. Pro- uh, yeah. One assumes um, certainly at least exile. Yeah. yeah. 
And as the intelligence tries to call the guards on Ronin, we learn that Ronin and his minions have killed the guards and Ronin is taking over. Like, the, like that should be a whole half an issue, right? I mean, yeah, the, this could be a whole arc of issues, <laughs> but no, it's just this page all of a sudden. Describing these things that happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they would be great things to see. Yeah, I would love to see them. But no. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I feel like this also establishes the Marvel tradition of like when you're on the cusp of a big storyline involving the Kree. You just have like uh, three pages of hand waving revolution that has completely disrupted this, you know, the galactic g- yeah, space empire. empire yeah, you know? yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's like I'm in charge now. All right, <laughs> let's let's go with that. And of course, Ronan's main concern as taking over this sprawling galactic empire mm-hmm. is revenge on Captain Marvel. This yeah. one guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. this one guy. That's the main thing. So now Ronan awakes our old pal Cree Sentry four fifty nine. Oh, the best Sentry. Yeah. He has been uh, lying dormant in a warehouse at Cape Kennedy. Sentry kills some guards. Uh, busts out, and uh, it turns out that this hospital we went to earlier is uh. The infirmary on the base, maybe. Sure. So, uh, so it was the hospital from the beginning. Just, the I guess. Full circle. Yep. <laughs> so we wrap uh, with Sentry 459 busting through the wall of Marvell's recovery room. Dr. Donaldson, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Rick Jones, and Quicksilver all look back in shock while Marvell lies motionless. Ooh. Yeah. So the sentry, it, the footnote says Captain America, oh, Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel number two. That book ran for 15, 20 mm-hmm. ish issues. Yep. So that's like two, and it's been gone for a while. So that's mm-hmm. at least like two or three years. Well, he, he appeared in a Fantastic Four issue as well. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it hasn't been. He's, I mean, maybe a couple times. He's popped up in a few places. Huh. This, mm-hmm. this is the most important sentry. If you need to know about a sentry from <laughs> He's the, the one to focus yeah. on. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I the, the Kree in Supreme Intelligence thing has that been in the has that been in stuff? Yeah, this is yeah. the first Kirby, of that. Kirby drew that in melt, Fantastic Four. Melting yeah. Potato Man, <laughs> Green <laughs> Melting Potato Man. It's so bizarre. It's <laughs> yeah. just and he's the collective knowledge of a species. Yes, yeah, basically. Hmm. And he looks like Modok having a hangover. Mar, yeah, it's like, like a nude Modok <laughs> with like a touch of Krang. I feel like from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, there's yeah. like yeah. a there's def- <laughs> definitely Krang is partially based on Paul Modok. Yeah. yeah, he just seems so like emotional and erratic and violent for like the some totality of I don't know think about humans on earth <laughs> I refuse I absolutely refuse that's why we're doing the podcast I don't want to think about humans yeah touche yeah so well we we've we've gotten some Cree action in this issue uh I mean we're gonna need some scrolls to make this actual a Cree scroll yeah work, so. hopefully there will be it will not all happen happen off panel that would in be flashback. nice yeah <laughs> or or an explained flashback with no pictures yes right, yes, right. yes my knowledge of the Kree skull war comes from i think a single panel mm-hmm. in uh avengers disassembled okay when they're talking about like their favorite avengers moments okay and i think i think it's hawkeye who's like my favorite thing we've ever done was the Kree Skull. Like they're all sitting around having like a clip show <laughs> moment. Yeah. Yep. He's like, my favorite thing we've ever done is the Kree Skull War. I feel like that was when we were at our best and our most noble. And that's the only thing I have really in my head. Yeah. I, well, we'll have to watch Hawkeye's or Goliath's Hawk Goliath, Hawk Goliath. performance uh, in the Kree Skull War and, and see if uh, if that jives. Yeah. I'm sure it. it does. I don't think it does. But it, might. <laughs> it might. Either way, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, 
well, there you go. So, yeah, we'll be uh, I think this is one we'll probably talk about, you know, as it uh, evolves. And um, when uh, when it really gets to the point where uh, it puts its foot on the gas maybe we'll do a little special episode or something. Yeah, we might have to take it out of the mm-hmm. week, week oh, by week yeah. and then just hit the whole bunch of it when it's because we don't have really precedent for something like this yeah i mean this is definitely the longest extended um storyline it runs like eight or nine issues shut up really yeah whoa yep so i didn't know that yeah it might even touch on other titles i don't know but uh yeah does it cross over i don't think it does yeah i i I read it fairly recently huh yeah but but maybe it does i mean i could be wrong about that so who knows cool I guess we'll all find out together. That's I think that's what we're doing. That's the whole premise of this <laughs> yeah, thing. Right, right. <laughs> well, cool. Um, let's take a break, man. Yeah, let's take a break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about more of these wonderful Marvel comics of April 1971 right here on Marvel by the Month. All right, guys, we have got to get through seven other Marvel stories that hit the stands in April 1971. So that means it's time to hit the 10x playback speed button that we call (laughs) Marvel by the Minute. The rules are simple. We get one minute to cover each remaining story. And once that minute is up, we move on to the next issue. Um, Rob, as always, we're going to start with you. Oh, as always. Um, (laughs) You're going to talk about the first story in Amazing Adventures number seven, the Inhuman story. An Evening's Wait for Death, written by Jerry Conway, art by Neil Adams and John Verputin. Uh, you have 60 seconds, and they begin right now. Okay, uh, the latest attempt of a coup from Maximus the Mad has resulted in four Inhumans, Karnak. Uh, I don't I'll tell you later. Uh, Foreign humans who have landed on a beach in red China. (laughs) They are uh, attacked by horribly colored uh, uh, Chinese communist soldiers. Uh, Triton jumps away and gets a hidden uh, jet that they put in a mountain a long time ago. Um, All four of them fly off. Meanwhile, back in the States in California, uh, Mr. Dibs, uh, this cool, like, uh, Victorianly dressed Mm -hmm. black guy with a hand that turns into a gun sure, yes. um, is getting convincing Black Bolt and this little kid that he's befriended to get into a car where they are gassed. Uh, then the Inhumans uh, make it to California with their jet and they fight a bunch of guys on a muscle beach <laughs> and then they steal their clothes and then they head off to where there's some crimes happening. It happens to be somebody dressed in a Black Bolt costume yeah. and a tank. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. There are too many things that happen, and none of them make any sense anyway, so there you go, I kids. like the Chinese jet. The uh, Chinese jet that had been in the mountain forever? Like, that is such that? like a Bill and Ted's thing. It's like, we have to remember to put the garbage can up <laughs> right. in the door. Uh-huh. You know. And the button to open the mountain is under the water, so only the underwater guy can do it. We put it there like 100 years ago. <laughs> right. I also love that like, <laughs> pay off, Triton's, whole, Triton's whole role in that story is, uh, <laughs> is, is to like, run away and yeah. make all the muscle men chase him. Yeah. <laughs> that muscle men scene is bizarre, right? It's that was like hilarious, a weird... but that was a part of the culture at the time, so it was a Very nice... Very Venice Beach. Yeah. yeah. It was mm-hmm. a nice reflection, but it we... 
we don't have know. the context for it really anymore. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Yeah. It, it was like the the birth of bodybuilding. Okay. So, yeah. We yeah, might even was, touch on some ads in that. Maybe <laughs> oh, if maybe. I can talk oh, into yeah. the sponsors into that. Uh, okay, Jamie, uh, oh, you get the back half of Amazing Adventures number seven. Oh, I definitely read this. The Sting <laughs> of the we Widow. We all did. <laughs> definitely read it. Uh, also written by Jerry Conway, art by Don Hell, uh, of course, working as Don Heck because of the comics code, mm-hmm. uh, and inked by Bill Everett. You have 60 seconds, and they begin right now. All right. The Black Widow, she's been fighting the, the astrologer and, and the cronies, but that resulted in the death of a kid, and she still feels kind of bad about it. It, and she's like having some angst about stuff uh, so she has to for some reason break into Avengers Tower where Goliath sort of senses that she's there but then misses her uh, so she gets in and then she gets out right right away uh, and she encounters her like guy that is kind of helping her maybe they have a crush maybe they don't uh, meanwhile the Zodiac people have kidnapped uh, this guy and uh, oh boy uh, <laughs> There's a lot of like naked lady stuff in there, which seemed <laughs> unfortunate. Maybe it's not fully naked. Comics code. Yeah, comics code approved nudity. Suggested uh, poses are okay now. <laughs> right, right. You can tell. Uh, <laughs> so the Black Widow goes after the Zodiac who have the kidnapped person in the car. She's chasing them. Uh, they get into a big fight. She has some cool kicks. There's lots of action. Uh, Zodiac Man has the hostage by gunpoint, and then she like beats him up. They fall into the water, and then she's pulled out of the water by her mustache man, who's often shirtless. The chauffeur and guy. The chauffeur yeah. guy, yeah, and he like helps her from behind, and uh, they are happy. <laughs> All right, and, and they are happy. Yeah, some and of those words happy. did not actually apply. Uh, I liked uh, th- this <laughs> issue. Um, there was a little bit of gender parody with the reveal. We we see. Uh, Ivan, the chauffeur, the, yeah, yeah. working That's his out name? shirtless. Good job. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, he's Russian. Of course, his name is Ivan. Like, <laughs> I mean, what else are they going to call him? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's the astrologer, not Zodiac. Zodiac. Oh, the Zodiac's the other... Does the astrologer guy. drown because he's in his robe? I it believe he does. Like that's, it, a, yeah. that's a thing that doesn't happen very often in the comics where they're like... You pay the penalty for the costume. Yeah, like Red Skull made with the Cosmic Cube the golden armor that right. made him sink uh, to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, right, right. Uh, or Dollar Bill designs that costume with a cloak and it gets caught in the revolving door of the <laughs> bank and he gets shot to death. <laughs> or that, yeah. Yep. Is this the end of the Zodiac? Or Zodiac? <laughs> <laughs> the astrologer okay, the, 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 the screw we're just going to talk about comics guys when an entire episode where one of them kept referring to Nightcrawler as Wolverine <laughs> <laughs> and he did it like six times and he kept his brother was just like what are you doing <laughs> so uh, that's the bar we just, yeah, we just yeah, we hit the as bar. long as we yeah. correct that sooner and we did that was yeah. a, less than a minute Great. You, know, mm-hmm. you got corrected so yeah. fine yeah, I hope that because I think this comic has potential, but I, it's not. It looks nice. It's a good looking comic. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, there's always a couple panels of cheesecake in it. There so. sure is. Yeah. Are. Okay. I am going to tell you all about uh, Daredevil number 77. And so enters the amazing Spider Man. As long as that's the only guest star, you'll be fine. It's the only one. <laughs> it's the only one. As far as I remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's also written by Jerry Conway. He wrote, like, everything in our Marvel by the Minute this week. Huh. Uh, the art is by Gene Cullen, inked by Tom Palmer. So, you know, that's going to be all right. Uh, my 60 seconds begins right now. So, uh, Daredevil, um, he is swinging around town. Um, <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man's sticking to a wall. Um, and he's thinking about how good 
uh, Daredevil has it, and Daredevil is thinking about how rough his life is because uh, Karen Page, and he's thinking about a date that didn't go well or he got stood up or something. And then there's like a snarky caption box saying, don't fret, friends, you haven't missed an issue since last month's climactic battle without Condor. Things happen between <laughs> issues, too, you know? It's like, that's not how comics work, Jerry. Um, <laughs> I but like then, that you uh, that time. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, look, here's what happens. There's a couple panels, uh, a couple pages where uh, Peter Parker and... Uh, MJ Watson are totally miscolored and look like different people <laughs> altogether. Blonde and black-haired people. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. wrong. Uh, this golden thing shows up in a park. Namor shows up to confront it. Daredevil and Namor get into a fight. Spider-Man shows up and he gets into the fight too because he wants to prove something to Daredevil. Um, and then, I don't know. The thing opens. The thing opens. It explodes. And a lady comes out. And then zaps them away. And zaps them away. But not all of them. But not all of them. <laughs> not Daredevil, but, <laughs> not guy Daredevil, but whose comics whose this comics is. Whose comics this is. <laughs> I love this part. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say anything, Jesus? Because <laughs> I will. Yeah, I really should have used that to, to my Jamie. advantage. Yeah. <laughs> And Jamie is the new host, uh, the main host, <laughs> oh, and no. all other hosts are secondary. <laughs> Let's Peter not Parker do that. won. <laughs> the uh, the miscoloring on oh man, Peter that Parker was and MJ really drove me crazy. Oh, That's my... just you should not get away with that editorial yeah. wise because that is it's mystifying. Yeah. Even with the words, I'm like, well, but this can't uh, be. Why yeah. is his hair black? And yeah. But also props to marvel for when they put this on digital for not fixing that like, <laughs> so that we can complain about it like no, everybody I mean, else it, like, yeah. i think it's like it's like i like that they don't fix typos and things like that like mm. you're i mean there's enough stuff that it's a different enough experience when you're reading it digitally to begin with uh, that i like that some of the gaffes are retained like oof. when uh um like stan calls peter parker peter palmer in some of the early <laughs> spider-mans and i think at one point refers to him as superman um he just like leaves it as like yeah fuck it or the whole the bob banner bob, bob you know, banner. Yeah, yeah yeah yep which just became robert bruce banner yep. and then i was like thanks yeah, what for- a strange issue this was yeah uh so that thing i i want to take one more extra minute on that yeah there's this this puzzled me so bad because as as you know I was I was off for a couple weeks and I did oh right <laughs> I did read all of the comics I missed uh but I read them a little later and out of sort of sequence yeah. then so we we had already re- recorded with me by the time but I read some up. of yeah. them okay uh so I was like what did I just miss a bunch of Daredevil because he had a different love interest that he's l- lamenting at the start of the story yes a name like Charlotte or something yeah. and uh and I went and reread and reskimmed and spent a bunch oh. of precious time that I could have been skimming like the things we're going to cover in Marvel by the minute, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, trying to figure out what this when this happened and I could find nothing. Yeah, and it is super interesting to me when it's okay to do that and when it's not. Like, yeah, there are times when they skip over stuff and it's like, oh, we, that must have happened between the issues. But that time, like. It seemed to, it seemed like we had missed something and we all went back. Like Yeah, I mean the fact that they had to insert a caption box in there at obviously at some point very late in the production. Right. Cycle. Like moments before it goes to press instead yeah. of just changing that thought bubble. Yeah. yeah. Like why would you not Yeah. Or very, or very maybe bizarre. check the colors on yeah. your character's <laughs> hair. Uh, especially when the hair color is like the most iconic thing. I think you what you are seeing is Marvel's production department is really stretched at this point. And I think Stan is not as hands-on as he used to be. And I think Roy is very busy. And I think that's why you've got Jerry Conway writing so much stuff this yeah, month. Yeah, right. Um, what, uh, did you, what did you say about Saturday Night Live a couple weeks ago? Like, 
the show Lauren Michael said like the show doesn't go on because it's ready the show goes on because it's 1130 right <laughs> yeah. or yeah. something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think that's that does speak again to what you were saying about leaving the gaffes in leaving the typos because that's showing us how much time they had to prepare this yeah. issue yeah. right right and or where things fell apart and that's also good to know especially when you're trying to yeah. take these apart and we can't see some of those tiny imperfections that you see in like Tom Brevoort's blog where mm -hmm. he's showing where something was pasted in. You can tell like oh, a little, cool. little edge of tape or something. Yeah. And those are the bigger indicators that are lost to us now because mm -hmm. of this medium. But at yeah. least we can see they totally screwed up some <laughs> hair colors. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like nobody noticed. It was just like they didn't yeah. notice in time to fix. Correct. Yeah. It, it, and I also think it's like, it's not like Marvel's sitting on a bunch of extra production time these days. So it's like, I think I'm sure part of it is like, well, if you're going to correct this stuff, like where do you draw the line? Mm. You know? Cause it's like, they're still scrambling to just get books to press. Oh, the current one currently. Yeah. Like, so you're going to go back and edit 60 years worth of back issues. You know, I don't yeah. think so. So scan them in intern. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Rob, I didn't stall long enough. No, no, you were close, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I remembered that you were next. Um, and you're going to talk about uh, Fantastic Four number 112, Battle of the Behemoths, which, I mean, talking about stretched uh, production resources, the cover of this <laughs> one, it just like seems very much like screw it. Like, we just got to <laughs> ship this. Um, uh, it's it's just Hulk and Thing on a black background. On a black background. That, yeah. Never seen that before. Never seen, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's written by Stan Lee. The art's by Stan Buscema and Joe Sinnott. You have 60 seconds, and they are beginning right now. Don't even need them. I'm going to read the cover. Hulk versus Thing. Enough said. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll give you a little more context. The whole issue is Hulk versus Thing. Um, <laughs> we get uh, Reed trying to, to make this thing to make... Uh, something to cure the thing who is like becoming angry and he can switch at will, but he's mm. weirder and weirder and that's why they're fighting. Um, Alicia hears about this on the radio and decides to really blindly walk across town <laughs> to try to talk some sense into Ben. And she gets there just in time to distract the thing to get punched right in the head by the Hulk <laughs> real bad. And that is before Johnny and Reed can get there. Mm -hmm. And Johnny, who wanted to get there and leave at every instant, and Reed's like, I need you here to help me yeah. make this gizmo. Be You're not going to be any help when you go there. And uh, so they, we get a totally possibly dead thing with Reed looking bummed and Johnny mad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, Alicia's hair color. Wrong. It's been changing. <laughs> it has been changing. Yeah. Mutating. Mm -hmm. oh. Or, you know, she's just coloring her hair. Like her. <laughs> <laughs> See what noise I can make. <laughs> it's the same. Uh, okay. Uh, Jamie. Oh, oh, what am I doing? You're doing Iron Man number 39. There's an Iron Man? <laughs> Good luck, buddy. There's a new Mexico? <laughs> There's a new Mexico? A twist of memory, a turn of mind, written again by Jerry Conway. Oh, this was one of those sleepy ones. Yeah. <laughs> art by Herb so Trimpey. And the, I gotta say, the Herb Trimpey art in this really seems like he had about a long weekend to do this entire yes. issue. And Pencils say, and inks. It was ten, 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah. It was I so, mean, I don't think he had the whole weekend. I no, think somebody just yeah, said, I, I think it's an, it's, it's clearly the rushest of rush jobs. Yeah. It's impressive that he managed to turn in a complete issue and like 
looking at it, once you kind of adjust to what you're looking at, it does exactly. kind of feel very like underground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like, uh, the B the B story in like annuals. Yes. You know, where it's like, Oh, let's give this crazy thing a try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's so not trimpy. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like trimpy do Gil Kane, but do it more sparse. Do it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. But faster. Yeah. <laughs> trimpy do a 24 hour Hulk comic. <laughs> uh, okay. You got 60 seconds. Give it a shot. All right. Uh, Tony Stark is very sad about what has happened to Jasper Sitwell in recent history. So he's sad over the healing body of Jasper Sitwell in a hospital, but he leaves, but he has to be a real man about it. So he's a jerk to the (laughs) medical nurse guy on the way out. Uh, but then he crashes his car, uh, for reasons and ends up underwater and he has some flashbacks and he's like, uh, losing it. But then some people rescue him, uh, but bad people and they bring him into a ship and it's the ship of the white dragon. Oh, the uh, white dragon. Yeah. Who's, uh, of an ethnicity, maybe we think, and he has a, hel- a helmet. It's impossible <laughs> to tell. <laughs> Real rough. <laughs> this art does not let us know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, um, oh, or not meanwhile, uh, uh, oh God, Kevin, uh, and, and, uh, Iron Man are, or Tony Stark is, oh, oh, Tony Stark's been replaced. His brain has been swapped out. Uh, so the whole thing is not really, uh, him, but he's flying around being Iron Man, but his mind is taken over. Oh man, that was, uh, you got yeah. to something. I, I, just, I had forgotten the the whole dragon, I, white dragon thing. I remembered that part, but <laughs> I yeah, I forgot the mind taking over. Doesn't he like detonate a device in Tony's brain and cause him to crash to Earth or something? Yeah, like, yeah it's I like think, an escape yeah. from New so, York bomb. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna blow and then up. He figures out that Tony Stark is Iron Man. Yes. and that's the end of the issue. Yeah. Ooh, that that is better than you just saying wackiness ensues <laughs> yeah yeah as far as hitting plot points yeah so yeah so so, Tony, he, so white white dragon is sort of like mandarin? a mandarin yeah ask but he's been booted from his kingdom for being a jerk or something sure or so not he, being a jerk enough it's not hard being to, a, yeah, yeah right right so he's trying to uh, uh he's trying to get back into the good graces of his lady friend's dad oh right i yes. believe Yep, that sounds that sounds and right. And being the white dragon is like a punishment. Yes, yeah. it's a, t- a title it means of like punishment. coward or something, like a black sheep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what this <laughs> language is in which dragon somehow <laughs> is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, like you like a are a coward. Up. You are a white dragon, and right. I'm like, well, it's still a dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you, know, See, you get frost breath. Yeah, <laughs> you are a yellow bellied dragon. I'm right, like, still, right. still, I'm, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yellow because like I sleep on gold. No, because you're a coward. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. The Avengers are there for like a hot second, but they're they're Tony's acting like a jerk. Is he somebody else? I don't yeah. know. It, it's kind of I don't know. I guess it's an okay comic. <laughs> Endorsed. <laughs> I guess that's an okay comic. Raves, Jamie Winger. <laughs> it's still sleepy. It's, yeah, it's a sleepy one. I mean, yeah. the art is just so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. I actually spent more time on it than I expected to. Like, yeah, I've been just, kind of just flipping through Iron Man issues recently, but. Um, this one just because I mean the the weird art and that car wreck scene was cool. That was yeah, also the cool underwater thing. bit was awesome. Yeah. Like I, I spent more time looking at it than I did like yes. reading or comprehending it. Yes, because it's obviously <laughs> we all do that. Yeah. <laughs> there is also there's a panel in there um, where Irish Kevin. Uh, like it, it is like the most racist panel that we have seen in comics where it has Irish Kevin with his like stereotypical Irishness commenting on the fact that it's like, I didn't know that Tony Stark had oh, a, yeah. a, an Asian 
Taylor, but he doesn't use Asian. He used the O word. Yeah. So um, it's like, wow, you just just packed a lot into that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, Tony Stark is under somebody else's control for like 20 minutes and like hires a a manservant. Yeah. So Uh, anyway, read it for the racism. (laughs) Come for the racism, stay for the bizarre art. (laughs) This seems like a good time to to mention that uh, when I, (laughs) my, my dad, the junkyard, is your, off dad, of, your dad the your junkyard dad, my dad's the junkyard he's, a, he's junkyard. a professional wrestler no, uh, <laughs> the junkyard of my family the towing company is off of orient drive okay and leads out <laughs> to a town called orient that's outside of gresham it's between gresham and sandy and uh i went to orient grade school for mm. a little while and the mascot was the tartan Mm. so it was that panel so it it was all as racist wow. as you think and that's i mean it's still called i was gonna ask there. i don't know if changed. they still have the tartans i that really like visited stretch. i moved schools like every year because for safety <laughs> yeah <laughs> because of my you know uh, the heat yeah, yeah the, the heat witness protection intense. program yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. anyway uh so that word is is very weird and was a hard thing to override uh, mm-hmm. as we do every day trying to deprogram yeah. institutional right. patriarchal racism misogyny <laughs> uh it's a it's an ongoing process <laughs> and the next step in that process is to talk about submariner number 39 <laughs> <laughs> good luck it, yeah that's your job isn't it yeah there's a and summer. I'll stand. Is the name of the issue. Um, it's written by Roy Thomas. Uh, the art is by Ross Andrew and Jim Mooney. My 36, 30 seconds. I'm going to give myself two 30 seconds. Two 30 seconds. And they're starting right now. Okay. Um, Namor, understandably, still very upset about Dorma dying on their wedding day. Um, just starts tearing up a place. Uh, I believe it is the uh, aquarium where Lyra, Lyra's uh, mom worked. Ooh. So he's looking for her. Um, then he uh, he flies from Florida to New York. He's like, I need a new home base because I've left Atlantis. So he goes to an old prison uh, on an island. Called Prison Island. Yeah, and he <laughs> uses uh, his Atlantean strength and um, good sculpture skills to uh, turn all the lions into fishes and things. Um, and then uh, all the the law enforcement folks in New York are like, hey, wait, we can't have this guy moving on to our old abandoned uh prison um so then like uh, a civilian tries to take a shot at him namor that doesn't go well um so there's a big fight uh they send in the national guard uh namor makes short work of all of them but they just wind up blowing up the island and destroying it but diana Ireland shows up with a newspaper implying that namor's dad might still be alive wow at the wire yeah that's all I got. I wish that that was all the comics uh, this yeah. month. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> Mr. Namor. Rob, you get to talk about our last one. There's one more. Captain America number 139 oh, right. or shall I say Captain America. <laughs> uh, yeah. The story is called The Badge and the Betrayal. Uh, it is by, with no distinction made, mm. uh, between who did what. So you know the first name. Probably didn't do very much. <laughs> By Stan Lee and John Romita. <laughs> you have 60 seconds. Go for it. Uh, Cap is in an office of a police commissioner who will go unnamed because I don't remember. And uh, he uh, he's told that some, some police officers are going missing. Uh, some people undercover, special agents, and he needs Cap to go undercover as a rookie cop. And Cap's like, yeah. I was a rookie I was a fake rookie in the army back when 
I'm good at this. So he becomes the uh, fake rookie cop. We have a little uh, side stuff with Sam Wilson wondering where the hell he is and um, and getting a new grapple hook. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like a bird leg. And he also gets uh, swooped up in a ray to the helicarrier and talks to a Shield and doesn't like that very much. Says, "Call me next time." Um, then Cap becomes a rookie, gets yelled at by the sergeant, just remembers all his cool stuff from World War II, and. Uh, then he uh, meets some gang members and decides to fight them with a garbage can lid instead of shooting them, which impresses this uh, reverend guy who, Ooh, get, who goes so missing. And then we find out the gray gargoyle is behind all of these missing yes. people. Yes. And the very spooky final page. Yeah, it was yeah. a very spooky final page. It's like yep. a graveyard, but it's just statues of the people who've been abducted. So everyone thinks the gray gargoyle is like a joke villain. I think he's an awesome villain. Like, I just think it's a terrifying power. Yes. Yeah. And the uh, math fraction sphere itself. Yes. Was sick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He, he like destroys Paris. He right? like stonifies everybody in Paris. And yeah. then it all gets blown up by a fight with Iron Man. And so yeah. like all those people are murdered. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just the like, I think any supervillain like hell, hella follows into this you know this month like where the whole thing is like if they touch you you're done like yeah it's just like, that's a great such a terrifying villain yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> and then he's french too oh god so, i mean that's the ultimate yeah terror yeah yeah i mean he they had a reign of terror in france <laughs> they did yeah <laughs> Hey, what was with that lady in the Captain America one? Is she someone? She's showing. She she's going to be a love interest it's for Sam. Sam. Okay. Sam Wilson love interest that who is like not having his like. Oh, you're a social worker, but you should be out there revolting. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. um, I thought she knew him because uh, that was a weird. It seemed real familiar. It seemed right? real familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I was like at first the first glance of her i was like misty night maybe she yeah, but yeah. yeah not yeah yeah and then like for half a second i was like oh this must be sam's sister and i'm like nope that's no not it's sam's way sister. too party yeah. yeah yeah so sam. i mean i don't know what they have going on <laughs> yeah i don't, I don't want to judge <laughs> i yeah. think sam's progressive enough to not be into the relations yeah 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 i mean is that progressive <laughs> you know <laughs> yes right? yes maybe we're the ones with the hangups <laughs> yep I'm going to say yes and say uh, <laughs> yes. 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 I'm shutting this down right now. Uh, okay. Well, that that is our uh, our, our comics for uh, this episode. Um, and now all that's left to do is uh, talk about our astonishing takes, our recommendation segment, um, where we uh, perhaps suggest things to our listeners that they might want to check out uh, that are not the Marvel Comics of April 1971. So I will go first. Um, something I read recently that I really enjoyed and would recommend to like i think literally everyone um, i have this sitting on my shelf do and you I, b- I bought it months and months, maybe oh, last so year yeah so i've i've been excited i saw That's this name come up and it was very like, funny because your recommendation i'm in the exact same boat with it i <laughs> oh, have really? not read it yet so oh, whoa. but yeah i i what i was reading this um and my son was reading next to me he was reading his own thing and he kept looking over and asking me questions about this so oh, wow. uh, he was really fascinated with the story but uh the recommendation is the eternaut uh by hector herman uh esterfeld or esterheld uh who is the writer uh francisco solano lopez is the artist and erica mena uh is the translator um, so this is a, a seminal Argentinian science fiction graphic novel. Uh, it was originally released as a serial, uh, from 1957 to 59. Um, and I, I find like the thing about reading 
real classic works of comics art is that you, oftentimes you have to deliberately maintain this conscious awareness of their importance mm. um, in the history of the medium and not that they're like overrated um, or their legacy is, is exaggerated, but it's just that like as time passes, more contemporary works are building on the foundations that they laid. So the forerunners seem like more primitive by comparison, sure. which I, th- I think people listening to this might get yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. by us yeah. talking about the right. genesis of many of their yeah. favorite characters. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if ever there was a crowd, it's this one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I think the thing that's really um, uh, impressive about Eternat uh, is that it's not a problem that it suffers from. Um, so like on the surface, it's this very war of the world style science fiction story. Um, but it's also this very powerfully affecting piece of political allegory. Um, 20 years after it was published, um, the writer Hector Hermann uh, Esterheld was disappeared um, and presumed dead in 1977 because he protested Argentina's military dictatorship. His four daughters were also killed by the military junta for their political activism. Whoa. Um, the artist Francisco Solano Lopez had to flee Argentina for Spain. Uh, the story and the story behind the story of a small band of common citizens fighting to save Argentina and the world from this very melancholy apocalypse, uh, it still resonates very powerfully 65 years later. So Whoa. I'd say a melancholy record. apocalypse is what we've been going through for a few years. Yeah. It is, you know, like, especially in the early going in the story. Now, I, I don't want to give anything away, but like in, in the early parts of the story, um, the characters have to stay indoors. Like they cannot go outdoors Whoa. and have any exposure to the out, outside. And it was just like the idea it, it captured what we have just gone through so perfectly hmm. that it was shocking that it wasn't written after the pandemic. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I got this, I think from Fantagraphics yeah. in Seattle and have, just because just based on the description of it and seeing the cover and the, and some of the art, I was like buying it. And this was maybe a year ago. Yeah. So mm. it's just been sitting there and it's not in my shelf. It's sitting there out in front of books, looking at me oh, on cool. the bookshelf waiting to be read. Yeah. So now I'm like, That's it's up motivating. next. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just a legitimately fun read too. I mean, fun is, you know, relative Relative, term, sure. but, um, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a really good video game or something. Nice. So, yeah. That, that that usually means distinct pacing and acts uh, and build to me. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, I have, at, at, to reverse it, um, just finished uh, Enigma, the definitive edition. Um, this is from Burger Books, which is an imprint of Dark Horse. It was done in 2021. Um, this is written by Peter Milligan with art by Duncan Figredo. Um And it collects all of the Enigma run from DC Vertigo with some great back matter, mostly focused on the art. Um, And it's just eight issues um, and that's it. It's done. Mm. Um, And I remember the run distinctly because it was so distinctive. Mm -hmm. Um, So like Shade the Changing Man and other great Vertigo work from Milligan, this story is weird, odd and reflective of the early 90s shifts in popular thinking about superheroes, sexuality, violence, and overall nihilism. Hmm. Uh, so it hit a lot. It's a lot of chords for me. Um, the core of the story is a man um, who realizes a little-known comic character from his childhood called the Enigma has come to life and is battling villains from the comic as well that have come to life. Oh, cool! 
um, and some that are distinctly like not possible in the real world, mm, like okay. mutated creature humans, um, which is like a new thing for this world. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So the, the loss of life from villains and heroes alike is pointed out for its senselessness mm -hmm. a number of times. Um, as the main character uncovers the mystery of the story, he also goes through a transformative journey about his own sexuality. Uh, an arc that runs from heterosexual and homophobic to embracing the idea of being gay. Hmm. Um, this was the core that I remember from the 90s. Um, how it is handled seems a little awkward by today's standards, but it was still eye-opening for a lot of people then, hmm. and it's still great. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's got, it's got more nuance to it and more complexity. Uh, but I'm so glad it was collected, and I, I, got, I got to read it again. I just, it happened to be while browsing books with pictures, it was there. Oh, like cool. I went in to pick up some stuff in one of those rare moments when I was going out in the world mm -hmm. and there it was. So it was excellent. I think Peter Milligan is a super underrated writer from that era of comics. I mean, I think like Neil Gaiman and Garth Ennis and Grant Morrison, like they were like the A-list guys from yeah. Vertigo, but like Milligan did so much good stuff. Like uh, he did, you know, Shade the Changing Man, which you referenced. He did this. Um, and then he would go on to do things like Ecstatics, which is just like the best deconstruction of 90s comics. Yeah, that's pretty read. great. Yep. Like uh, I think that's what he's most known for at this point. I would say, yeah, yeah I hmm. think you're right. Yeah. He had a weird run on X-Men, right? He yeah. did. With like, Yes, he had a very strange run. Yeah, it was bizarre, yep. even by... Yeah, he, he, anything he touches just feels like Doom Patrol almost instantly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, interesting. I, I mean, in that uh, era, that whatever area of weirdness, it's like he's, but he, he's also much like the the big writers you've noted. Like he directs what is happening in such a way that is like this is his vision. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you're getting is just more complex and yeah. nuanced than some normal writer artist pairs. Ah, that's it. Hearing that, I, I want to revisit the X Men stuff because I remember at the time being like, "This feels bizarre." That is like how I responded to everything that I read of his. Yeah, when, the first time I read it is like, "This isn't what I expected, and I don't like it." But mm -hmm. if you like let go of it yes. being something else and embrace it for what it is, it might be amazing. He yeah. is really, I, I think, a writer you need to kind of just put yourself in his hands. Uh, yeah, I want to yeah. say it's like the Blood of Apocalypse X Men stuff. Think, yeah, that sounds right. With like, yeah. Yeah, like Gazer, the yeah, like yeah. I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, you yeah, he's talked himself into it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, everyone. I got it. <laughs> Jamie, All right. Yeah, what do you Jamie, got? what do you got? Uh, this is a bizarre recommendation because I don't know what I thought of it. In all honesty, and, but I I would love people to read it because it is super interesting. So I read Decorum by Jonathan Hickman, uh, Mike uh, Huddleston, Russ Wooten, and Sasha E. Head. Uh, it's only eight issues, uh, but they feel huge. <laughs> it is very world building and like the world building is super enticing and interesting and definitely mirrors X-Men stuff like uh, House of X, Powers of X. But like the actual story has little to nothing to do with the world building. Hmm. And like the actual story is nice and it is like good and enjoyable. It's cute and interesting, but it's not like, oh my God, this is amazing. Whereas the world building stuff is amazing. And I was like, is this what Jonathan Hickman does? Like, <laughs> it, like it, it made me reframe him as a writer a little bit. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And like, I've now read a fair amount of his stuff. So I like, 
Like but, he sets up an interesting situation and then. And like, but the amount that he engages with it is not necessarily what you would think. Like mm. you kind of assume that all this stuff will come into play. Like, Oh, the galactic empires and 10,000 years of whatever. <laughs> right. This is things from where, but he's still just focused on the characters. Yeah. yeah this one's yeah. like a kid learning to be an assassin and like an assassin school for stuff. But like some of the arts, crazy trippy. It, it it's a very interesting read. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. I've had my eye on it and I was waiting to hear more about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. You can, you can borrow mine. It, it's like some of it is gorgeous and so trippy, but, and like that stuff seems a little bit to the side of the actual story. Hmm. And then there's all this like Hickmany diagrams and huge bigness. Yeah. But then the actual story is like pretty small comparatively. Hmm. Uh, it's very bizarre experience. That is very Hickman. Like where you got to, you, you can follow these character stories, but you also get this like, it's like the the map at the start of a Lord of the Rings book. Yeah, like you, right, right. <laughs> you get this big reference piece that you'll go back to, and that and or you need to sit with for a while, so that once you do that, it will help the story. Right. You don't even have to, but you it don't helps. have to. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it like I said, it's a just a fascinating read, and I I think it's starting to build a thesis in my head about who he is and what he likes to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like. And this is like a creator owned thing. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming there were little to no parameters. Probably. Yeah. So it's just like, this is what he does when he's like uncorked, you know, just like run free, do whatever yeah, you especially want. Especially eight yeah. issues. That's that the similar to the Peter Milligan thing with Enigma. It's just like, this is the whole story. Yeah. 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 Done. Yeah. I it's love like, those. And it's like his fantastic four is like amazing. And like the X-Men stuff is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, huh? Like you, sometimes those limitations can foster really interesting, good stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, I've, I have not taken the dip into his three worlds, three moons thing. Yeah. I've been, yeah, I subscribed to the newsletter, but I haven't like read it. Yeah. And I had someone, I, I read someone talking about, it. I can't remember who to credit for this, but they said like, basically, um, it's fan, it, it, it's fantastic. If you're a process junkie, like, uh, uh-huh. and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I am that. Yeah, I mean it's interesting, but I really kind of like the output. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, right, right. You know, I don't care so much about how the sausage is made. Um, but you know, that being said, I I think it's super cool that someone is is at least experimenting with a different way to do comics. Um, totally. And I mm-hmm. wish him the best of luck because you know the more ways there are to do it, the better it's going to be for all creators and readers. So, totally. Yeah. Uh, I have two other, uh, just I'll do them quickly, yeah, but yeah. two other recommendations. One is for this book I have right here. How to Take Over the World. Yeah. I'm curious. It's by uh, Ryan North, who is uh, of Squirrel Girl fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think, his second book. Uh, the other one was like How to Invent Everything. Okay. And this one is How to Take Over the World. It's like. Uh, it's weird that after writing those books, he's writing comics. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Go figure, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a really fun read. It's like very sciencey. The. It, it reminds me of what you say about podcasts, like a good podca- podcast is like a thin premise and some people in a room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. The premise is like how to do villainy uh-huh. and it's subdivided into chapters, but it's mostly about like science and history. Oh, okay. Just like reframed and. Oh, yeah. I'm listening. Oh, yeah. it's really fun. I'm a guy who reads every biography of like Napoleon or whatever, because like, how did you get this empire building thing going? And right. Not that I want it. <laughs> right, I just, right. I'm very curious about those. Get a little gray in your beard to yeah. start building an empire. I hate to break it. <laughs> yeah. To you. Well, well, there's bits in here on how to live forever. 
Oh, okay. well, there you well, go. that'll solve Rasputin. that first problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like very fancy and it like sometimes it's like you can't do that. Like that. Yeah. There's like bits on time travel and like how to set up your villain base and like what it would take to establish a subterranean base versus like a moon base or the underwater I base. The, I love that thought. This sounds like a bunch of debates we've all had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like hanging out with your friends. Like, yeah. how would we really do? What's you know, the practicality of the volcano being so near though? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Unless it's a power source, then geothermal power. You're, you're sucking in that yeah, juice. Yeah. You're, okay. you're talking this book's language. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how to take over the world. Ryan North. It's great. Uh, by the squirrel girl writer. And then the other one is the new Star Trek show. Uh, Strange new worlds. I've heard great things. Yeah, so uh, Star Trek's having a renaissance. There's been Discovery. Yeah, great. Picard. Uh, Lower Decks is the cartoon, the animated funny one. And now this. So this is the fourth one. And it is the best. Is like, that Pike? Yes. Okay. Uh, Anson Mount is the most charismatic, wonderful. The, the whole cast is great. The diversity is awesome. It's like, it's sort of like Discovery, but more uh, genuine. Like, mm-hmm. like it. it it just lands more naturally nice. and less forced. And it is stunning. I feel like discovery was the most of that yes. so far. And so if it's going even further to feeling more lived in yeah. of a world, then and that's it's pretty original series, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think this is a giveaway. Like uh, Kirk's older brother is on the ship. Oh, okay. At this point. Uh, and Spock's younger. And so like Kirk inherits the ship from somehow the situation. Okay. Uh, it's awesome. It's super good and just stunning, 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 stunning. Fantastic. Cool. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I want to. Highly, highly recommend. Awesome. Well, there you go. I mean, that should be enough to keep people busy for at least a week, right? And then <laughs> if, if they manage all that in a week, I <laughs> don't know what the hell they're doing. They're they're Quicksilver. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, we'll be back next week uh, with another one of these, almost certainly. I mean, it's very unlikely. Oh, hey, here's something that you can do um, if uh, this may be out by the time uh, you hear this. Uh, but I am going to go on uh, our friend uh, Elena Levin's uh, podcast, the Graphic Policy Radio podcast. Um, but, yeah, we're doing a, a Neil Adams uh, retrospective that I'm looking forward to talking about. That um, is an excellent podcast. Yeah, uh, they are. They're wonderful. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I can just say uh, they're going to be uh, on our show next week. So yeah, yeah. that'll be fun to to have them back. Again, um, yeah. I'm going to get yeah. sweaty in advance about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> You're so smart. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that'll be great. Um, anyway, that is next week. Uh, between now and then, um, in between checking out all of our recommendations, why don't you consider, uh, if you haven't already, subscribing to our Patreon for the fantastic price of four bucks a month at patreon.com slash Marvel by the month. Um, you will get exclusive content like a longer version of this episode and expanded versions of most of our guest episodes from the last couple seasons. Review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you're using to listen to us. And if you'd like some free stuff in the mail, send us a screenshot of your five-star review to marvelbythemonth at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at marvelbythemonth and marvelbythemonth.com has links to our other social channels as well as our shop, which now includes <laughs> yeah the... Orca, Dorcas, Dorma, and Crane. Yeah. Yes. Get it on a t-shirt. Get it on a throw pillow. Get it on a shower curtain. Get it on basically anything. A mug, a skateboard. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, So, hey, uh, that's all for now. My name is Brian Stratton. I'm Rob Milne. And I'm Jamie Wenger. We'll see you next week for next month. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside and read comics. <laughs>